Hey guys, what's up? It is Amanda, and welcome to Manic Podcasting episode 10. After a like two month long hiatus, I am back. Depressive episodes are a hell of a bitch. And um, I previously, for number 10, had recorded an episode with my friend Darby, and we were talking about poetry and stuff. That is still going to be released, but I am changing that. That's going to be episode 11 now. I want to tend to be a little bit more personal and I kind of wanted to talk about my own story because I've had nine other episodes and everyone and I just kind of jumped into content and didn't really kind of give an explanation of who I was or what I was about or my ideas for this podcast. So I think it's important that I include that and that I don't leave any of that out because it's very important for me as a message to be able to get through to people in terms of what I want to convey with this or like kind of like my goal. Um, When I started this, it was just for fun, you know? I mean, it's still for fun. That's obviously the point of doing things like this is to have fun and to be comfortable and to be able to talk about things. But mostly what I wanted to do is kind of like showcase all of the really important people that I'm surrounded by because every single day the... Sorry, I have a bit of a cold. Every single day the people I am around just amaze me. I have so many amazing individuals around me that are doing so many cool things and it's just really inspiring and 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 all the people I surround myself with and and that they surround themselves with and just people in my community in general are so intelligent and have so many good things to say and important things to say and are just so well read and well educated. The episode that I'm doing next with Darby, you'll see a lot of that. Um, Darby's a really really smart individual, especially when it comes to writing and and knowledge about it. And he has a really good way about him as well. And so does every person that I've interviewed so far and that I probably will interview. They always, they all brought something unique to the table, something different, something that mattered to me. And I think that can matter to a lot of people as well. And that's a lot of the reasons why I wanted to um, showcase the people that I have thus far. And I still have so much work to do. I still have so many people I'm trying to get onto this podcast to showcase and um, to really give them a voice. Because there's a lot of people around me that have really good stuff to say. But they only say it to the people around them, which is fine. And like, that's how community works. But I want to give them a platform to be able to have a greater voice you know, to share what they're thinking because everybody has such great ideas and a great persona. Like the episode that I did with Jesse about um, nootropics, that was a great episode. We really, we, we really talked about a lot of really important stuff and like a lot of really cool information. And, um, and with the poetry and sound episode as well, we got a lot of really, really good content. So, a lot of what everyone brings to the table is just so cool. Like the like the Cincy local scene episode that I did with Nick and Nathan and Gabe and, and James and everyone was just so cool. It was so important for our community too to be able to see how great these guys are and how great <laughs> the hardcore scene is and the music scene in general really. And um, I would like to do more of that as well. So if anybody you know, that is musically inclined or that has a project that they're working on or an album they want me to review or whatever, send it my way. I'm completely open to do whatever 
you guys want. I wanted to create this podcast to be curated based around the guest, based around the people that I'm surrounded with, based around people in my community, or just interesting people in general. It doesn't even have to, you know, fit into my community. You know, if you're from fucking Nebraska and you, you really, really enjoy dancing and you love it and you have so much information on it and you just want to express the art form of, of dancing, give me a call. Send me an email. We can set something up. And I can record a podcast based on your love for dancing. It doesn't really matter to me with this podcast what exactly I talk about. You know, a lot of people have themes like Philosophize This talks about philosophy. And uh, there's a lot of good mental health podcasts out there. But what I didn't find personally a lot of was real lived experiences with mental health. Um, And if you guys find any podcasts like that, seriously, send them my way. I'd be, I would love to, I would, you know, love to hear them. And that's kind of why I started this only because, like, not only because I was in a manic episode (laughs) and I just was listening to a lot of JRE and a lot of, um, Bulletproof Radio, which is controversial. Um, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are controversial and a lot of them are interesting and a lot of them are really cool. There's this one mental health podcast that I was listening to that was awesome. He was like, a therapist and he took questions from people and it was really great and uh so all of those kind of together just the voices that these people used and the guests that they had on the these podcasts and all this information I was soaking up really inspired me and really like drove me to kind of do this as well and um I had a microphone you know I used to be into the rap game I used to make music and I do spoken word poetry so I had the technology, you know, I have a MacBook, I just use GarageBand, like, it's as simple as that for me, um, and I really didn't want to go too technical with it, I didn't want to do anything too serious with it, I just wanted to have fun and make it casual, and, um, that's why I don't really have an intro, and I just kind of, like, jump into things, because I really honestly, like, I hate long intros, like, oftentimes I'll be sitting in the car, and a long intro will literally throw me off to the podcast, if they're sitting there, I mean, I understand when it's, like, ads, and they have to, you know, they have to promote to be able to keep their podcast going, yada, 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 whatever, but, and this is not to, not to hate on anybody, but this is just, sorry, I have a really bad cold, but, um, this is just my personal preferences, like, a lot of times intros really will make me shy away, and because I have such a short attention span, I'll be like, okay, I'm not waiting for this intro to be over, I am going to start something else, and that has a shorter intro, when I could just skip it, you know, and oftentimes I do skip it to get to the good content, but then I miss out on the very beginning, and it's yada yada yada, and I'm just impatient, so, so I kind of made a pact to myself that I would never really do a long intro, or even an intro in general, I do short little snippets like, hey, I'm Amanda, this is what I'm going to talk about today, but, um, I don't really have, like, a song, or sometimes I'll get people to sing for me an intro, which is funny, and I like to do that sometimes, um, but, I just wanted it to be fun and just jump right into the knowledge, you know, just soak it all up. Because oftentimes I feel like I'm impatient and I don't want to wait for the information I want to come. And, and in the era that we're in now, I think that's important too, is, you know, to be able to consume as much information as fast as possible. <laughs> Which sounds crazy. Okay, I'm gonna... And I want you all to really, like, be aware that... Um, this is the one podcast I'm not going to go through and edit. Um, this is going to kind of be, like, stream of conscience. You know, I have a couple notes in front of me. I'm just going to, as you can tell, I'm kind of scatterbrained everywhere anyways. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, roll off the tongue, you know, let the thoughts come to my mind, and just talk openly and honestly because I think that's, you know, I think transparency is really important 
when you um, when you want to showcase who you are. I think if I were to go through and edit this, it wouldn't really. I'd get too embarrassed by my own voice and just like edit everything out, and it'd be like five minutes long, and and then I'd be like, okay, this is great, this is fine, this is this is fantastic, but um, that's not really how I want to do it. Um, I want to be open and honest and transparent, so I'm gonna kind of talk about why I started this. Um, I pretty much already talked about that, but I kind of wanted to delve in more about me personally and my lived experience. Um, I, I'm trying to get more people with lived experiences with mental illness on this podcast, so it kind of goes with the theme of manic podcasting. Um, I kind of like the randomness of it all right now. I really do like how it's manic podcasting, and it's just about fucking everything so far. Like, I think that's really cool, and I think that kind of, like, fits the name. It's, like, everywhere. It's manic. It's mania, and yada, 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 and I, and I do want to disclose that, um, I'm not just using manic as a buzzword either. I don't want to do that. I don't want to call it manic podcasting and then just never talk about mental illness because I think that's kind of uh, disheartening and I think that's disingenuous as well. Um, But I have, you know, lived experience with bipolar and I have um, my episodes and things like that. I was diagnosed when I was in the ninth grade. So that was about 2009. So around nine, 10 years ago. That's how math works, Amanda. (laughs) Um... And, uh, yeah, my therapist, um, I think at the time, no shade trying to be thrown, but I don't think that she realized I I had as many problems as I did, you know? I think that she just thought I was a, uh, and this is me just how I felt in regards to the way that she treated me, um, I don't know. I felt like she just thought that I was a whiny high schooler. I don't think that she really understood the nature of my trauma. And um, I do want to give a disclaimer that, you know, the first therapist you have more likely times than not will probably never be your favorite or even the most beneficial to you. Finding a therapist is like finding a friend. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's true. Like, when you want to go and find a therapist, you have to find a person that fits right with you, you know? Some people will say some shit that you're not going to like and that will hurt your feelings and that will really invalidate you, but that same approach that that therapist uses could work on, like, numerous different people. So you should never feel bad about, you know, searching around or looking for different therapists or if you hate your therapist, you know, um, you should not feel bad for leaving that therapist and going to find a new one. I would just really, really stress the importance of getting used to the therapist first, you know? After the first session, you kind of get an idea of, like, what the therapist is gonna be like, but oftentimes that's not enough, you know? And these are just my, this is just my own personal experience. Um, don't take my word as bond or, you know, as, as Bible or anything like that. I'm just talking from my own personal experience, but, um, I'm not a trained professional, I would just like to say that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's important that you give it time as well. Obviously, don't stay with a therapist that you hate, but also don't just cut and run the first time that they say something that makes you feel something, you know, to feel mad or angry, you know, because that's going to happen. That's going to happen in therapy sessions because with my first therapist, I mean, like, she was very helpful to me. She really explained a lot of things to me. She helped me put some puzzle pieces together about my life and, and my past and gave me pretty good advice, but we also didn't get a lot of real work done. I spent a lot of time with her. I think I had her for around two years 
and um, no, we we made some progress, but um, but now the th- I, I've made more progress with the therapist that I am now in the three months that I've been with her than I did in the two years that I had with that therapist. You know, everyone has a different approach, and I think that for me personally, just my first therapist style just wasn't my style. You know, it just wasn't you know what I needed because I kind of need a push because I can be hard headed. And so she was the one who kind of told me about bipolar disorder and kind of described it to me. And I was describing to her the way that I was feeling at the time and how I would, you know, get these anger outbursts or just these episodes of really, really dark, deep depression that I could not pull myself out of. And I was just so confused as to, you know, why I was okay one day. And then for months on end, I would feel terrible. And then I would wake up one day and be fine again. And you know, she kind of, like, explained to me the nature of bipolar disorder and, like, what it was, and for the first time in my life, I felt validated, like, I get it now, like, like, I have something personally, you know, going on in my brain that I can't necessarily control, and that's what's making me feel like this, and I will say that me being diagnosed with bipolar was the best thing to happen to me, but it was also the worst, and I'll tell you why. Because I kind of, and this is just with me, this is not with everybody, I would just like to say that, that this is just my own personal experience, that my diagnosis gave me an excuse. And a lot of people are not like this, I'll say that again. But for me, it gave me an excuse. Not to act the way that I was, obviously, because, you know, I was able to understand what I was going through and realize, like, oh, this is just a manic episode, like, it'll pass, like, I have to ride the wave. But instead of dealing with all of this stuff, it kind of gave me an excuse. Like, oh, this is just an episode, it will pass, you know? It never gave me an incentive to do anything about it. Like, oh, let me just take this medicine. Let me just take this medicine and, you know, hopefully it'll level me out. But if I have an episode, I have an episode. Like, it's not a big deal, I'll get through it, you know? Um, I was never really given the proper tools to deal with these episodes. And um, being young as I was, the diagnosis kind of did a bit of a disservice to me. And this is not to say that every diagnosis to everyone will be a disservice, but I think that being shoved into that kind of box and using it as kind of my, my holy grail in a sense, like I lived by the fact that I was bipolar. It was, it became such a big part of who I was for so long that that I really, I, I, I shaped my life around it. I really, really did. And, um, I made excuses for myself a lot because of it too, because I was young, you know, we oftentimes get into that mindset when we're young and we do things like that when we're young, but I did. There were times when I used it as an excuse and, and I can say that honestly, that, you know, I would have, I would have a drinking binge and I'd be like, oh, I was just in a manic episode, you know, like, this isn't a problem for me. And I had a really bad drinking problem too. That was a big thing. I think that contributed to my diagnosis. Um, I kept my drinking problem. I I mean, obviously the immediate people around me were, were (laughs) knowledgeable of the fact that I had a drinking problem. Um, they sat me down and had interventions with me that I don't even, I still to this day don't even remember one of them. I don't remember any of them really. Um, But yeah, that was something that, my drinking problem was something that I kept under wraps from all my therapists. I didn't really disclose that to them, which was, which was definitely a disservice to myself, which probably would have helped in the diagnosis as well, um, if I would have disclosed that to him, because I think things would have gone a little bit differently. 
Um, but yeah, after I had my drinking problem for a really long time, um, God, it was from the time I was like 17 until I was like 19 years old. Um, when I turned 20, I decided to stop drinking and that I was going to take a tea break, essentially, um, for my whole 20th year before I turned 21, so then I come wild out when I was 21. And boy, did that change my whole life. And I think a lot of that was with my diagnosis of being bipolar and me finding a psychiatrist and getting put on medication and having a medication that I liked, and uh, my drinking was getting in the way of my stability, so I think that also helps. I was going through a lot of really stressful trauma stuff at the time that's kind of why I got into therapy and that's why I got into drinking as well um I was dealing with a lot of really emotional stuff you know my family life wasn't the best my grandma had cancer and she was like living with us and um I was dealing with a lot of really um visceral past trauma that I repressed for years and years and years you know um and and I will say that like with the current climate that we have nowadays and the whole Kavanaugh hearing and things like that, it was really invalidating for me personally because of the years that I've spent working on all this, this trauma stuff, you know, because what happened to me happened when I was very young, right? And, um, our minds when we're very young are, are super cuddle. They're so powerful. And, um, so I shoved a lot of it down you know, into the back of my mind, like we do, we have to, we have to do what we have to do for survival, so I shoved it down, and I put it away into a little pocket in the back of my mind, and I went about my childhood, um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, um, that is also kind of like a side effect of trauma as well, um, and I didn't really remember my trauma until about seventh or eighth grade, so seven, eight years later, after what happened to me happened, I didn't even remember it. And it just randomly, literally one day you wake up and your entire life is different. Literally, you, literally I woke up one day and my entire life was completely different from then on. And the magnitude of knowing that fact and not being able to go back to the way that it was before is wild, especially, especially when dealing with childhood trauma, I think, because you question yourself a lot on the existence of if it really happened, you know, you question yourself on, am I making this up? It was it just a dream. Why am I so affected by this? But that same therapist that I originally, you know, that diagnosed me as bipolar that I didn't really originally like, like that much. She was the one who told me that it doesn't matter if it happened or not, what matters is how you feel about it. And I think there's some truth to that. I mean, obviously it matters if it happened if you're going to press charges, but if you're, you know, dealing with it on a personal level and you're wrestling with your thoughts and, oh, did this really happen? Did it not? Like, I'm having trouble remembering everything. Only I can only feel bits and pieces. Like, for me, like, with my trauma, I don't really remember everything. I remember bits and pieces. I remember smells. I remember feelings. And those were the things that affected me the most when I, when I re-remembered the repressed trauma war. The, the literal feeling in the air, like the season, you know, the smell, 
sometimes I I will literally be walking in a grocery store and literally heal over because I'm so sick with a trigger because of something that I smelled. Because I smelled a certain cologne or or just something that made me remember the feeling that I felt in the moment. And I will literally keel over and start having a panic attack in the middle of the store because it is that bad. And I think there's a lot of childhood repressed trauma that people don't talk about. I mean, it's not really expressed a lot. And I think it's because it's so... It's so weird and it is so complex and it is so wild to me the way that the mind works you know because I spent most of my young life because I remember sixth grade was the happiest year of my life I had the best time in sixth grade right everything was going great for me yada 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 literally a year later I was in a completely different place like I was a completely different person because I re-remembered my trauma and that little box in the back of my mind was literally opened it's like Pandora's box it just exploded everywhere and, and it's just wild to me that something like that happens, but it does, you know, um, in this book, I think it's called, um, a lot of therapists recommend this one too, to people who have experienced trauma is the body keeps score because it's true. And, um, I was actually reading that one day in Barnes and Nobles because I haven't bought it. I haven't read it myself, but I was reading a passage from it and it said that they did a study where they took somebody who they interviewed kids directly after their childhood trauma happened and asked them, you know, what happened, yada, 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 how are you feeling about it, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then they interviewed, and then some of them, some of them, you know, didn't remember what happened. Some of them just didn't remember. Um, and then they interviewed the same people years later, and the people that re-remembered their trauma remembered it just as well as the people who did remember the trauma. So, I think when I read that, it kind of, like, hit me. Like, it was it was a really validating thing to read. Um, but it also made me realize the magnitude of the power of our brains, you know? And I think that's important to disclose, and we can't, we cannot discount all the work that our brain does for us. We just absolutely cannot. And so a big chunk of that was missing when I went to therapy, you know. My very first therapist before her said I was ADHD, you know. Typical, I was, I was in middle school. No, I was actually still in high school. Yeah. I was, was I in high school? Uh, fucking timing doesn't matter, but he, he said that I was ADHD, and ADHD and bipolar often get confused with one another. But I think the important thing that some therapists need to look at is the trauma aspect. Because my trauma aspect was completely discounted from my diagnosis, I thought, and because nobody told me that, hey, most likely you're bipolar because, you know, all of this stuff happened to you in your body, and your body was adjusting to the circumstances in which you were in when you were a child, right? Because when you're in a, when you're in a hypervigilant environment, or when you're in a stressful environment, you know, that's just, like, constantly inconsistent, and your parents are fighting a lot, and all that kind of stuff. Like, you cannot discount that from the way that your brain molds, because we are so malleable as children, and when you are a child, that's when your developmental years happen. So, if you're in, inner, in an environment where you're constantly stressed out, and your cortisol is, like, 
going crazy, that's going to that's going to change the way that you see the world and it's going to change the way that your brain is literally wired like and the way that chemicals work in your brain because your brain is trying to adjust to this stimuli it's trying to adjust to the world around you and like I'm not a doctor I'm not a therapist right but I'm just kind of regurgitating things that I've learned throughout the years of dealing with my trauma and you just absolutely cannot discount that male female you know any gender you you cannot discount the things going on with your brain when you experience trauma and um i think that's important and i think that trauma work needs to be dealt with in every therapy setting and so for me that wasn't really looked at as much so i got the diagnosis bipolar right i saw medicine for a while it helped for a while um and i think that you know going through that was really important for me to kind of become validated in myself and to kind of become more self-aware of what I was going through and it wasn't until actually last year (coughs) that um somebody told me I was something other than bipolar um I got the diagnosis and I kind of clung to the bipolar diagnosis because you know I mean they're a certified professional you know they're gonna tell you they know better than I would, right? Because they know the DSM-5 and they know everything like that. And um, so I believe what she told me. And, you know, there there was truth to what she told me. I'm not saying that she lied about or she misdiagnosed me at all. You know, I think that I do have bipolar tendencies, but I think a lot of what people miss is the trauma aspect. Um, and so it wasn't until last year that I got diagnosed with CPTSD. Um, and CPTSD is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's essentially childhood post-traumatic stress disorder or, you know, with PTSD with war vets, right? They have an event in their life, you know, war that they were constantly put through, um, when they were like older individuals that, you know, kind of changed the way that their brain worked, you know, that, that really shook them to the core. And so they still have triggers and stuff from that. But CPTSD is when that PTSD happens in your developmental years. So the PTSD essentially happens in your developmental years, right? So your brain, because most of the time when people experience PTSD, their brain is already kind of developed, you know, like something traumatic happens to you. You're in a car wreck, you know, your friend dies, you're in war, you know, all of these things can, can give you PTSD. But um, with complex, it's during your developmental years, so it completely changes the way that your brain is supposed to function. And um, obviously, I'm not a therapist, so my word is not bond, but I'm just regurgitating things that I've learned. I'm going to keep saying that so nobody takes me as a serious professional or tries to sue me. (laughs) But yeah, it kind of changes the way that your brain is is wired developmentally. And so the work that you have to do is a lot different. And, um, it's very, it's still very similar to PTSD. I'm sure that somebody with CPTSD and PTSD can sit down and relate over a million different things. Um, it's just the way that you approach it and the way that you therapize it is a bit different. I mean, for me, I've been in CBT for so long. So cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, you know, general therapy that people use. Um, I've, done that for so long and I've just never really seen real results you know I mean people tell me things that I need to hear 
Um, but to me, it just feels like really good advice. Like I sit down and I pay this person for just some really, really good advice, right? Um, I've gotten some helpful tips along the way and some um, helpful ways to cope with the things that I've dealt with. But I know I didn't really feel like I made real progress or I could connect the dots as well as I would like to. Um, but it wasn't until last year I was diagnosed with CPTSD and I was able to really like connect the dots around everything. And that my quote-unquote episodes that I was experiencing were most likely related to my triggers or um, environments in which my brain felt like it had to readapt in the same way that I did as a child. So, as an example, um, like, the slamming of doors is something that's really, like, weirdly... <laughs> um, like, scary for me? I don't know, like, when somebody, like, slams a door or something, like, I will physically get upset, and, um, I will start, like, my blood pressure will start to rise, I'll get really anxious, um, and a lot of that had to do with the environment that I grew up in, right? And so, a lot of times I would kind of, like, discount that. I would get scared in the moment, and then I would calm myself down, and then I'd be fine again for the, you know, I'd be, I'd be fine again, but for the rest of the day, I'd be kind of, like, on edge, or things would upset me, and, um, I would never make kind of, like, the correlation between the two things, right? I would, that would happen, I would get better, I would go on with the rest of my day, and I just thought I was having an episode most of the time, but I'd never really put the pieces together until, um, about last year, and, um, a lot of my trauma stuff, too, came back up. I mean, trauma, you, y'all know if you've been through trauma, it's a constant. You never, you never fully heal from trauma. It is, it is a time game. It is something that you're always gonna, it's always gonna be a part of you, and it's always gonna bother you. You just have to learn how to kind of deal with it day by day. You have to learn to grow with it as it grows inside of you, and, um, and you have to kind of work around it as you go. And it wasn't until last year that I made real progress. Like, I've been in therapy since I've been, uh, since, like, 2008, I think. And, um, ten years later, I'm still working. I'm still hustling. Um, and I just, just now made real progress. And that's all because, and to swing back around to the original point, that's all because I found a therapist that worked for me. You know, I stayed with the, with, with the therapist because I was like, okay, she's okay. You know, she fits with me. She fits with what I want to do. Like, this is fine. But if you feel like you're not making progress you know, tell them. And that was one thing that I regret not doing, is I never told my therapist, like, hey, I don't feel like we're making any progress. Can we readjust the way that we're doing things? Because if I had, a lot of things probably would have, a lot more things probably would have gotten done. But I was young, and I was naive, and I'd never gone to therapy before, so I didn't really know how it worked. I didn't know that was a thing that you could do. I thought they were in charge, but what's important is that you are in charge of your own therapy, you know? They can't read your mind. They can only, they can only take what you tell them and, uh, and, and assess it accordingly, right? So, they develop a plan based on what you want. So, you are in charge. They work for you. And I think that's the most important thing to stress with therapy is that they work for you. You do not work for them. They work for you. So, if you feel like you're, you know, just staggering along, you're not making any progress, let them know. Obviously, in a nice way. Like, hey, yo, I feel like I'm not making any progress right now. Can we switch up the style? Is there something else that we can try? Yada, 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 you know, but you have to put in the work. You can't, like, if they give you homework and you go home and you, which is a problem for me, they give you homework, you go home and you never do the fucking homework, and then you're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm making progress. Probably because you didn't do the goddamn homework, which is a huge problem for me, which is why it's important for me to get a therapist that will work with me, you know, in the session or give me homework that I know that I'm going to do. 
Um, so I went to an EMDR specialist, actually. Well, she wasn't technically a specialist. She was still a, she was still a therapist, but she had EMDR training. And um, she has her own qualms about cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Um, and so she tried a completely different approach, I guess. You know, I guess her approach wasn't directly CBT. She had, she did have EMDR in there. She, um, did that a lot with me. And EMDR was so important in my trauma work. So, so, so important. I really didn't feel like I got, like, I've dealt with my trauma in a roundabout way. Through talk therapy, I've talked it out. I've made the connections. I've connected the dots. But really, when I went to see this EMDR specialist, is really when I got a lot of really important work done. Um, because in the way that EMDR works, it helps the way that your brain acknowledges the trauma and the way that your brain talks about the trauma. And, um, and that was really important for me because I'm the type of person that can sit here and tell you what happened to me and that we can sit down and we have an honest conversation about it. Um, I don't want to get too explicit on this podcast because, uh, you know, don't want to trigger anybody or, you know, things like that. But I'm very open about, about myself and my past because I think it's important to be transparent but it's when you're in control, it's a lot different than when the trauma is in control. So, like, when I experience those triggers or when I'm in the store and I freak out, you know, um, it's important to be able to know how to deal with that. And that's what this EMDR therapy really helped me do was reel myself back in. And um, I suffer from dissociative episodes a lot as well. And um, which makes EMDR, you know, more, more difficult. Um, because you do have outer body experiences. And that's why I was like, why am I not getting any work done in these therapy sessions? And it was because when I would <coughs> talk about my trauma a lot, I wasn't in my own body. I was, you know, out of myself. Like, most of the t- like, sometimes I would come out of my therapy sessions and not even know what, I could not even tell you what we talked about, couldn't tell you what happened. Um, and I'm not really gonna go too much into dissociation because it's just a, it's, it's, it's a phenom that is so hard to explain unless you actually go through it that, um, I'm just not even going to try to tackle that. Let's just save that for another day. I'll maybe have a podcast with somebody who suffers from it and they can try to um, explain it because sure as fuck I can't. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't remember what my original point was, but let's reel it back around. But yeah, I didn't get um, a lot of important work done until this year through AMDR. And um, if you find yourself in and out of therapy a lot and nothing's really working, I would try to expand your search to um dbt which is dialectical behavioral therapy it's similar to cbt it's just a different formality um or emdr and i think with this therapist what she did was um she helped me connect the dots more like you get upset when your friends don't text you back when you make plans because of this thing that happened in your childhood and i know that that's a really that's a really dramatic example like that doesn't really happen i don't get mad at my friends for not texting me back but, um, but stuff like that, like, she helps me connect the dots, like, oh, like, this is why you get so upset when the door slam, you know, and this is how you can help yourself next time it happens, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and, um, she, like, has me write it out, like, these are the things that you're struggling with right now, these are the big things that you're stressed out about in your life right now, what are the things you can change, and what are the things you can't change, and what the things you can change you should try to do your best to change them, right, or work through them, or yada, 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 so it was a lot more important than me just talking about my life and them saying, well, that makes sense, I understand why you feel that way, which was a lot of what, um, 
that one therapist did, which was fine, you know, it's what I needed at the time, I needed validation at the time, but if you want to get real work done, you have to make sure that the, that the person that you're seeing and you have an important understanding of what's going on. You know, if you just want somebody to listen to you, explain that to them, you know, if you want to work through your trauma, if you want to work through your, your, your childhood, or maybe you just ha had a death in the family, or you're grieving, or literally anything, there's, there's so many different reasons to go to therapy, and CBT is so helpful for a lot of different people, and I want to stress that endlessly, is that CBT works, it helps for a lot of different people, and DBT works and helps for a lot of different people, you know, it just all depends on your own personal preference, and how you are, because everybody's different, everybody's life experiences are different, so everybody, you know, everybody's approach with therapy is different, so if you feel like you're in a place of stagnation with your therapist, you know, explain that to them. Don't just, don't just not go. Just don't stop going and be like, oh, well, she wasn't gonna help me. Anyways, talk to them. Help, like, help them understand where you're coming from. You know, work something out with them because if you were in a good groove with them once, you can get back to the, that again. But also, don't feel obligated to stay with a therapist that you feel is not helping you either. I mean, you, you literally... A therapist is literally like a friend. Like, you really have to connect with that person on a deep emotional level. Not like that. That was probably the wrong thing to say. But you have to be able to connect with them and be able to be open with them emotionally. And be able to have them help you emotionally. You have to bring that emotional tr and that trauma window open for somebody that you feel comfortable with. Because if you're closed off, like with that one therapist lady, I was, I was very closed off with her. I didn't, wanna, I didn't want her to think something was, you know... I didn't want her to send me to a psych ward, basically, and so I didn't disclose to her that I had suicidal ideations, I didn't disclose to her how terrible I was actually feeling, and, um, and I, and I did a disservice to myself because of it. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that you should not tell your therapist if you don't want to go into a psych ward, um, that's, that, but I'm not going to go into that because that's person-by-person person basis, and I'm not going to tell you what to talk about and what not to talk about in therapy, in therapy, but I'm just here to tell you that therapy is important, and I think that everybody should, uh, you know, pay mind to their mental health, I think it's very important, and, um, everything in life makes an impact, everything in your life makes an impact, um, I was reading this book, and it's called, um, Childhood Disrupted, how your biology, how your biography, sorry, becomes your biology, and how you can cope, and it's basically saying that anything anything that happens to you can make an impact on you, no matter what. So you have to adjust accordingly. And so through my all, through my experiences, you know, I've been diagnosed with ADHD, I've been diagnosed with bipolar, you know, I obviously have an anxiety disorder. Um, and, and so all of these things have kind of like, you know, come together and made me who I am, made me the person that I am. And, um, Though I feel as if the bipolar diagnosis is still, like, I still very much slot myself um, with a lot of the symptoms that occur. You know, I still, I still very much experience mania and um, major depression and things like that. And they do come in waves. They don't, they're not consistent. But I do have to realize that it is a product of my CPTSD, and um, I have to analyze it and in, in through through that lens rather than just a oh my brain is chemically imbalanced. This is just the episode that I'm going through. Like I have to now rework that. Like 
oh, I'm in this episode, but what caused me to come into this episode? You know, what was the thing that led me here and how can I change? How can I do real work and um, change the way that I deal with that so that the next time it comes around, it won't send me into an episode and that I'll be able to deal with it and stay baseline. Um, and so with this podcast going around to the original point after I just fucking talked to you like it was a therapy session right now, um, with this podcast, I kind of wanted to share, I share other people's ideas and who they are as people. And, um, whether mental health comes up or not, I don't think that that's important for me personally. Um, I think it makes an impact when it does, because I think it's important that everybody really talks about their mental health issues, and I think it's an important subject. Um, but it's not really my purpose. I don't want to, you know, have people put out their business if they don't really want to. But I think it is important to talk about. But I really just wanted to you know, take who I am and take everything that's made me who I am and, um, take that and sit down with people and just talk about what makes them love life, you know, like, I love people, I love communicating with people, I love helping people, um, (coughs) excuse me, um, and I love learning about people and, um, I just like when they're open and honest with me, and so I kind of wanted to do something that allowed them to do that. Oftentimes, I feel like a lot of people don't realize how special and important that they are. And I wanted to be the the kind of person that sat them down and told them, look, you are special, you are important, and you have all of these very amazing things to say, and all of this information in your head that makes you you, like your interests and your personality, and let me give you a microphone, let me give you a voice to showcase that aspect. Let me help you be unapologetically you and talk about your passions and things that you hate or love or, you know, your life or whatever, and I think all of those things are really important to talk about, and oftentimes, I feel like with podcasts, I didn't want to be too formal. I just really didn't, I think that was the thing that I wanted to do the least. I did not want to be formal with it. I didn't want to have, like, a 35-minute introduction like some people. (laughs) Um, I just wanted it to be comfortable, and I wanted to feel like when you're in the car listening to this, or when you're at home listening to this, or at work, or wherever you're at, I want you the listener to feel a part of the conversation like you contribute or you can relate or maybe you just want to learn something or maybe you just want to listen to the sound of someone's voice or you know feel like you're in the room I just wanted I wanted the listener to feel like a third-party person that was in the room while me and this other while me and the guest star um are having a conversation and I think when that happens I think it leaves room for something really beautiful and um I think oftentimes when I listen to podcasts not to throw shade or anything at anyone because I only listen to um like bigger podcasts anyway so it's not like they're ever gonna hear this but um (laughs) um I think with bigger podcasts it's just like they're always there's always a point and I mean obviously there's a formula you have to follow there's a point you have to make right but sometimes I just want something that I can get something out of and not know what I'm getting out of it, right? And, like, that's why I think I, like, some episodes of Jerry, some others are kind of problematic, but, you know, whatever, um, because it's just a conversation between two individuals, and you learn a lot from that individual based upon their life, you know, and Joe Rogan is just kind of there, providing commentary, and I just, I, I enjoy that, you know, and I wanted to do that with my own life, because I am surrounded by so many different powerful individuals, my friend Josh, 
is actually starting his own podcast as well, and the episode comes out, well, I'm recording this on Tuesday, so it comes out today, um, but this probably won't be released, knowing me, for, like, two more months, <laughs> it's like, but, um, yeah, and he, I, I can already tell you guys that he's going to be doing some very powerful work, um, he's such a strong voice, and such a strong personality, and, um, and it's kind of something that people need to listen to, a voice that people need to hear, and need to be open to, and he's hilarious, too, so I think his podcast is going to be super great, and I'm so excited to hear the first episode, because him and Meredith, I found Meredith, um, as a guest on my podcast, a bunch, too, um, I think it's going to be really cool to see the way that they interact through a microphone, because he's such a strong voice, and he can carry a conversation like nobody's business, and, um, I think that's where I struggle, too, is, um, I just let people talk too much because I'm so infatuated with what people have to say and I'm so intrigued by the conversation that oftentimes I'm just like, yeah, like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah, and that's all you hear me say during a podcast and it's mainly the other person talking, um, but, you know, I think that's cool too, you know, but I'm just really excited to hear Dasha's podcast, so check him out, it's Fit for a Queen, and it's FFAQ podcast on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Go like the page. I already can tell you he's going to be doing awesome work. He is a gay man, so that's a plus too. He's giving a voice to that community as well, which I think is amazing and, and, and powerful. So, yeah. And that's kind of just a summation of why I started this podcast and what I kind of want to do with it and where I want to go. I also think it's important for me to make this episode too because I never really explain who I am. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of like, hi, I'm Amanda. I'm the one that's, you know, holding the microphone, but here are all these amazing people, you know? So I know I think it's important to kind of showcase who I am so you guys can get a feel of me and my contribution to the conversations and why I'm giving these people a voice and why they deserve it you know, and why I feel like it's important to showcase other people on this kind of level, and whether or not this becomes, like, a huge thing, or it just stays local, or it's just between my friends, I think, nonetheless, it matters, you know, and I think it makes other people feel important, and at the end of the day, like, if that's all I can do with this podcast, and, I, and I'm able to make just one other person feel important by giving them a platform, then, hell yeah, then my work here is done and I have achieved the ultimate goal, um, and that's why I started my poetry event, too, Uncensored Society, was just to give young people, because our audience is, you know, primarily high schoolers, just to give them a voice, because when I was in high school, you know, that's when everything was going on, I was remembering my trauma, all this really, really <sighs> terrible, heart-aching shit was going on, and I had no place to go, that's the majority of the reason why I started drinking. I had no nothing else other than a pen and a paper and writing. And I think that's why writing has been such a topic of conversation with these podcasts, because it's so important to me. And so I wanted to start Uncensored Society to show people they're not alone, to give people a community and where other people feel like them. I was so isolated, I didn't think anybody understood what I was going through. And then seeing all these people come together and read their poetry and listen to one another, and understand each other, and become friends from it. Like, the amount of community that has been made through Uncensored is crazy. Like, the amount of friends, like, like, literally, 
these two people have been in a relationship for like two years now and are living together and they met at uncensored society and it's crazy like i met one of my past relationships with uncensored society like people have met friends bandmates like people have literally became bandmates from uncensored society so it's just crazy the community that can be built through art and through something like that and it's it's just amazing to me and it's so rewarding like even if we only have five guests one time and fucking 50 the next i'll be just as happy with each event because of the because of the little things because of how much it matters and i kind of wanted to take that kind of thing you know bring it to the forefront bring it to a podcast form and um just let people be heard and let other people realize like oh hey i feel this way too you know like if you want to come and spend an hour talking shit about traffic let's do it you know let's get in the car i'll bring my laptop and a microphone kayla harrington i'm talking to you um we can just sit and fucking bitch about traffic like because why not the possibilities are endless you know um and i think that's important too is that i'm so laid back about this that the possibilities for this are literally endless we could do whatever you want we could literally do a step-by-step cooking episode so yeah i'm literally down for whatever so the point with all of this now that you know more information about my life than you would like to um come on my podcast that i i have a problem with talking too fast and stringing words together too much come to my podcast we can talk about life love and happiness talk about whatever you want if you want to spend 45 minutes talking about makeup fucking whatever just let me know we can we can talk we can chat we can do whatever and if you want to know any more information about me um shoot me an email manicpodcasting at gmail.com you can follow me on social media at b-a-e-s-t-o-d yes that is baystod like based god but based stod but with bay um somebody stole my based username and i can't get it back so i kind of fucked myself over with that one when bay became popular and now it's just forever imprinted on my twitter page and i'm pissed but whatever so yeah um i didn't want to get too in depth about everything i struggle with and everything that i go through and yada 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 i didn't want this to be me just fucking venting until i cry because i would end up crying um i just wanted to express the importance of being vulnerable and transparent with people Um, so if you want to know more or you want to talk or anything like that please hit me up on social media or otherwise through my email whatever you want to do if you want to be a guest star hit me up too we can do that um we can literally do a phone interview i did author's note with kevin that was a phone interview it sounded so good i was so impressed i was like god damn this actually sounds cool it sounds like he's literally in the room with me like obviously you can hear it's over the phone but it still sounded really good and i was really really excited about that one um so yeah we can do over the phone whatever you want to do um if you literally want to be anonymous and you want to come on here and talk about your struggles anonymously i do not have to put your name i could edit your voice if you want you know whatever you guys want to do i'm open to anything i want this to be a community platform i don't want to be like the dictator of of podcasting you know like i don't really care what we do like just hit me up we can literally talk about anything me and matt and jesse on the music box episode literally sat and talked for two hours it was literally two hours uh, that i had that i had to cut down to like 50 minutes where we just talk about music full time and albums and stuff like that and i think that shit's awesome 
you know, give people more information than they need to know about anything, you know, <laughs> fuck it, yeah, hit me up, manicpodcasting at gmail.com, hit me up on Twitter, like my page on Facebook, check out Fit for a Queen podcast, and if you want any other local podcasts to check out, hit me up, I can send you their way, there's a lot of really, really good local music podcasts out there, um, you have Future Moguls, which is amazing, I know, Devin Burgess just started one. Trash out on all platforms. Um, Ilsonic, which is so cool. Um, they're really doing big things. We have such big things going on for us here in Cincinnati that it's quite incredible. And I'm so proud of everybody in this community. It's, you know, art and the music scene especially needed to be reinvigorated so bad. And everyone just kind of took Cincinnati by storm and they're really doing big things and it's amazing how many people are coming together now it used to be so divisive and now it's so unified and it's amazing and it's so awesome to see and I love being a part of the city um they're doing great things um and if you want to learn more about that you can listen to my donuts and alcohol episode with gravel brings a lot of really good information out about you know the the local music scene in Cincinnati in terms of, like, the hip-hop and the R&B and, <clears throat> and really every other genre, too. And then I have Cincy Local Scene, which is talks more about the hardcore scene, which is also amazing in Cincinnati. Um, at the time, I didn't know of many, you know, beat-down metal bands, but I'm definitely, you know, getting my feel for it more now. You know, just being immersed in all of the you know, even being friends with them on Facebook, you learn so much, you see all their shows, you know, so go out to a local show, they're really honestly never that expensive, probably like $20 max, so go out, see a local show, support the people around you, if you want to be on my podcast, let me know, if you want to get involved in the music scene, let me know, I can hook you up with some people, um, you can talk to about things, um, we're just a community here, and uh, Manic Podcasting is all about bringing people together. It's all about seeing what's in your brain, talking it out, working it out, seeing what happens. And um, just giving a voice to the community. Just giving a voice, not even to my personal community, just to the community in general, you know? If you're fucking from Switzerland and you want to be on my podcast, fucking let me know, dude. Um, we could literally set something up. You know? I don't care. Hit me up. Email me. Do whatever. I'm going to stop talking because I keep reiterating the same information. Um, I'm glad to have sat here and stared at the wall for 54 minutes talking about my life. I definitely feel like this microphone is my friend now. I feel like we've become really close. <laughs> I feel like every podcast from here on out is going to be a little bit better because me and this microphone have been through so much and now it knows my life story. Um, I'm also sitting here staring at a picture of Jamie Hendrix singing into a microphone because I have that poster on my wall. And he is also inspiring me to be transparent. And then I have my friend Gabby next to me in this picture frame. R.I.P. Gabby. She's sitting here smiling at me. And she's like, yes, bitch. Slay that microphone. And I'm like, thanks. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah. That is that. And I'm Amanda. And you are listening to Manic Podcasting. Also, one more thing, because I can't fucking ever stop talking. Um, and my throat's starting to hurt now. If you have any suggestions for me, you know, any at all, or you're like, your hatred of intros is stupid, let me make you one. I'll be like, okay, sure, whatever, just make it 15 seconds or less, I don't care. Um, 
yeah just hit me up with suggestions if you literally fucking hate my guts you can tell me that too like email me like yo your podcast is dumb here's how you can make it better and i'll be like thank you for your input i'm a little hurt but i appreciate the criticism and i appreciate the feedback um please don't send me hate mail honestly because i will cry and it will probably ruin my life i'm just being dramatic no it won't but i'll be very upset so please don't upset me because it, i am literally a thin hair away from you know just isolating myself and never talk to anybody again so i will now stop talking and episode number 11 with darby should be coming out so soon as soon as i get the edits done yeah so thanks for listening